Well, I think the toughest thing about studying ANBOC alternatives is, is that they are an alternative to ANBOCs and they're not, you're not going to see the same effect. You know, if, if I have an animal that's sick with a bacteria and I pair it with the right, you know, antibiotic, you know, overnight, that animal's going to get better. And I think ANBOC alternatives are a lot more, um, you know, um, minor of a change or adjustment, if you will. And um, that makes it really hard to measure in the laboratory when you're you're looking at small changes like that. And you have to have very big sample sizes. And, of course, that gets really costly. And if you start to look at things like immune response or salmonella and that type of thing, and you have a lot of variability between the animals. You know, these aren't mice that are inbred. You know, these chickens are relatively outbred. So it's really, really, really difficult to, to see these differences sometimes. A whole new era of communication in the poultry industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the global poultry industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. The Poultry Podcast Show is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like DSM, helping customers with efficient, sustainable poultry production. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. AB Vista offers pioneering products and technical services tailored to the poultry industry to help them succeed. Adaseo provides nutritional solutions and services to help producers achieve their targets in high-quality, safe, and sustainable way. Your partner for improving animal performance, Berg and Schmidt. Welcome to the Poultry Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and everything that's working in the global poultry industry. One of AB Vista's core strategies is to give customers the flexibility to do more with less which is a common theme among many companies and producers in today's industry. As a science-driven company, AB Vista has proven results to help our customers achieve optimal performance using customized programs with our core phytase and xylanase. Hi, welcome to the Poultry Podcast Show. I'm Karen Grogan, I'll be your host today. And today we're gonna to be chatting with Dr. Morgan Farnell at Texas A&M University. Welcome to the show, Morgan. Thank you for having me. So, um, so Morgan, what do you do in uh, at Texas A&M um, and, and sort of what department you're in and what background um, got you to the point where you are now? Okay, <laughs> um, that's a lot to, to unpack. Um, I'm a uh, associate professor in the poultry science department at Texas A&M. Uh, my training's in uh, pre-harvest food safety and avian immunology. Um, I worked for the extension service for A&M and uh, Mississippi State for about 11 years. And I've been back at Texas A&M for seven years now uh, with a primary research appointment. Um, however, in March, I'm actually um, I'm serving, I was promoted as the Associate Department Head of Extension, so I'm now returning to Extension in a a manner of speaking, um, which is fun because I'm a farm kid, you know, so I've always enjoyed uh, working with the industry, so um, so really uh, looking forward to that opportunity. Um, During my Extension time, I did a lot of work with um, reportable disease response, how do you humanely 
kill a lot of animals quickly. Right. How do you clean and disinfect the surfaces afterwards? Um, and, you know, in support of my extension program, I did a lot of um, five-gallon bucket research, I guess, you know, some uh, trying to answer questions the industry uh, may have. And um, so did quite a bit of that. And then when I came back to A&M, I kind of tried to revisit my my training, I guess, and I've been spent a lot of time looking at AMBOC alternatives and trying to understand their mechanism of action by looking at the uh, immune response to these these uh, substances. And uh, I've done a little bit of work with antimicrobial resistance lately, so um, that's that's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> then you're very busy, and then if you're adding extension duties on top of that research appointment, that's a lot. Oh yeah, not I'm a triple threat. So right. uh, <laughs> teaching, research, and extension. So, uh, so so it's a uh, it's good. Makes it fun. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I so in terms of um, so your PhD is in in immunology. Well, veterinary microbiology, but I focused in avian immunology, and okay. the master's is in uh, poultry science. Excellent. So. Um, yeah, actually, I'm a uh, mule rider. Um, there aren't a lot of us uh, around. It's a, it's a great school in uh, South Arkansas, and I uh, got my bachelor's in ag business there. Okay. And uh, went to work for Tyson Foods as a debone supervisor. And ah. um, yeah, I actually came to A&M to get my master's in poultry science with the, the thought of um, moving up in the industry a little more quickly with the master's. And... Um, as it turned out, I'm a really nice girl in the animal science department. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing how college does that. I'm back for graduate school. Yeah. 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 So stuck around and uh, had a great opportunity to do a PhD with uh, the Ag Research Service with uh, Mike Kogut's group. And um, yeah, it's um, just kind of kind of funny how things lost what happens while you make plans, right? Right. So, <laughs> that's good life's what happens when you make plans that's very true that is very true and then um and then what was your research area for your phd uh for my phd i looked at uh toll-like receptors and how they stimulate um oxidative bursts in the avian header field it's a white blood cell and uh we kind of looked at the signaling pathways involved and uh helped some other projects you know, looking at AMBOC alternatives as well, like the beta-glucan and, and that type of thing. And for the masters, um, looked at several different things. Um, uh, Dr. El Helawani's lab had some turkey uh, gamerifiron that we gave the birds to reduce salmonella, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, looked at the relationship of heat stress and salmonella infection, which we didn't really see anything interesting as these things go and uh you know um kind of kind of tried some we even uh, looked at fire ants we even had a <laughs> had they, a weird they get after people they have a, their toxin is pretty crazy stuff i think yeah yeah that formic acid well there's yeah. a study that that failed and the fire ants got into the chicken feed so they thought that maybe you know the formic acid had right. something to do with the uh the salmonella challenge so Ooh. Uh, I spent a, a week or two of my master's digging up fire ant mounds and <laughs> trying not to get bit yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good graduate student work. Dig up fire ant mounds. Well, that's what makes it fun. You 
you try you look at these observations and uh and test them you know kind of go from there so right okay so in terms of um like kind of your extension work in terms of depopulation and um you know sort of um you know the things that that we've had to do as an industry over the past year and a half dealing with high path even influenza um you know kind of now the the whole world is, is dealing with this um what are some key takeaways that you think are are critical in terms of trying to manage those situations in our industry? As far as if there's actual disease break on right. on farm, uh, <laughs> well, if it already happened, it's a, a disaster. And um, you know, we we train, and and the training is actually kind of fun. You know, working with the equipment and that type of thing. But the actual events very. Um, very difficult um, emotionally you know it's it's heart-wrenching um you know in some instances the birds you know may or may not be you know expressing symptoms you know but they're still infected um but you know some of these broiler farms are pretty big i mean you might you know go from six to eight houses to as many as 28 or 30 and um yeah it's a it's a mess um you know, the big, <laughs> I guess the take home messages is uh, try to prevent it through good biosecurity, right? And, right? and you almost have to be that's the preferred thing. Yeah, yeah. You almost have to be a bit paranoid. And, uh, you know, what they say never take microbiology will ruin your life, right? Uh, um, true. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, just, just the simple things. I mean, it's, it's scary. You know, you can reduce your risk, but, you know, darkland beetles, I think they fly a quarter to half of a mile. They carry things and, a long um, way. Yeah. How do you protect against them? How do you, you know, the people in Iowa were saying, I guess during the 14, 15 break, some of them thought it was uh, transferred on dust particles, said they had straight line winds. And, you know, how do you filter the air and, you know, layer operations that have lagoons, they'll flush their manure pits with lagoon water. Right. And, um, you know, you have waterfowl on them, you know, right. so you're circulating virus through your house. It's um, a lot of virus. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's pretty scary. I don't, yeah, you know, and, and there was a primary breeder, you know, um, I guess last year that broke and, you know, they, um, their biosecurity is insane. You right. Know? They have the best biosecurity, uh, you know, out of any segment of our industry. So, yeah, I mean, they, they take some like, one guy say he took 20 showers right. in one day, you know, so, um, and they broke. So I don't know. I think you can reduce risk, but I don't think you'll ever get to zero no matter right. how careful you are. But yeah, just the logistics are involved to, um, you know, dispose of that many chickens and the manure and the amount of people that are needed. It's, um, it's quite an ordeal. So it is. And I, I think that, you know, as you were saying, it is an extremely emotional process, you know, no, no part of, of, you know, anyone involved, you know, takes any of this lightly. And I, I think our, our industry kind of gets this, it's not a bad rap, but it, it's like, we, we take it all so, so lightly, but it's not done lightly it, it, at, at, at any, at any standpoint. And, and, it is there as a as a tool to try to stop the spread of the virus. It's not just, you know, and I think that, you know, through this outbreak, we've seen a lot more um, backyard flocks involved and we've had, you know, the federal government come in and, and have to, you know, depopulate. So I, 
I feel like more people have encountered, you know, the seriousness of when we have these um, disease outbreaks and just how quickly you have to act. Um, so maybe, maybe the popular opinion will, will start to shift. So, yeah, well, I think, um, you know, the farmers probably impacted the, the most, you know, I mean, people, the farm, I think like to see, see things grow and, uh, and thrive, you know, kind of man. The last thing they want to do is have to depopulate their whole yeah, flock. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's the most dramatic to have, you know, alphabet soup show up. You know, people right. in white suits show up on your farm. That's that is true. That's it, it, been your your family. But the way I justify the depopulation is, you know, um, a lot of those diseases um, are probably going to kill the birds before you're able to to even depopulate, unfortunately. And, and, uh, the way I look at it is, is if I can contain that fire, so to speak, then, uh, maybe I prevent other animals from getting sick. And, and, you know, it kind of escalates a bit when you start thinking about, you know, the effect on wildlife and, you know, if it were to turn zoonotic as well, you know, I mean, it, um, you know, that's the reason why we, we spend so much effort on this because, because <clears throat> you know there there's always concern that it could mutate and you know, something right you know more dangerous so that is true we need to uh and knock on wood it's been quiet lately so let's let's keep that <laughs> let's keep that uh let's keep that moving in that direction um so i think we'll shift from that you mentioned some of your current research is um probably a big question a lot of people have is you know how do some of these alternative projects products that we use in the absence of antibiotics, how do they actually work? What are they doing with the immune system? Um, so if, if you've looked at, at any of those, which I think you have, what, what have you learned um, in terms of what action they're actually, um, you know, providing? Yeah, well, I think the toughest thing about studying ANBOC alternatives is, is that they are an alternative to antibiotics and they're not, you're not going to see the same effect. You know, if, if I have an animal that's sick with a bacteria and I pair it with the right, you know, antibiotic, you know, overnight that animal's going to get better. And I think antibiotic alternatives are a lot more, um, you know, um, minor of a change or adjustment, if you will. And um, that makes it really hard to measure in the laboratory when you're you're looking at small changes like that and you have to have very big sample sizes and of course that gets really costly and if you start to look at things like immune response or salmonella and that type of thing and you have a lot of variability between the animals you know these aren't mice that are inbred you know these chickens are relatively outbred so it's really 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 difficult to to see these differences sometimes, I, I think that they're happening. But, um, but you know, ANBOC alternatives, it's important to realize that we're talking about a pretty wide range of things, right. you know. A so, lot of things in that category. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, you can kind of group some of them together, but it's a whole, you know, mix of things. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that includes vaccines, right? right? Which vaccines are probably your best, you know, ANBOC alternative, I would, I would say. And, um, you know, of course, um, you know, I think everybody has a pretty good understanding of, of how those work. But the, um, you know, others would be, you know, beneficial bacteria like probiotics. And, um, you know, there's so much that's happening at the, the gut level between the immune system, the nervous system, you know, the digestive tract. I mean, there's, there's 
some people it will suggest that maybe your your personality quirks could be based on uh, you know, true, the your gut bacteria and your Absolutely. gut, yeah. gut brain connection yeah yeah and and while i don't know if it affects you know whether you become a criminal or not um yeah i think there's some pretty good um examples you know like toxoplasma gondii how mice actually become uh, attracted to cat urine so they'll be you know um consumed and then passed on that pathogen of course rabies you know um you know that's a another good example so and, and i think um Oh, I'm blanking out. I think it's like 95% of the serotonin that's um, produced by your body is produced in the gut, actually. And um, they've actually done stays with mice where um, mice that are in a notobotic or germ-free environment have only about 60% of the serotonin levels. Of those. Much lower serotonin. But, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so you know, it can influence behavior. Um, the thought is, is that maybe these good bacteria compatibly exclude the bad ones. Um, you know, people forget that these bacteria are at war with each other. They're competing for nutrients, for attachment sites and all this. So they're actually can produce things to try to discourage the, the other ones. And, and we can also encourage growth of good bacteria with things like prebiotics. Um, you know, that would be another one. Um, law work being done with uh, yeast, uh, fermentation extracts, products. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, you know, beta glucans are known to be immunomodulatory, so they can stimulate um, immune functions. So that would be be a possibility. Um, quite a bit of work done with, um, well, different names. I always call them botanicals or plant right. extracts. Right. Phytobiotics or yes, they all have fancy names. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and, and some of them smell really good, you know, oregano oil, right. thyme. I mean, I always wondered if the chicken tasted any different, you know. Right. <laughs> They'll come pre-marinated when you yeah, use that's right. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, I always you always have to be careful because, you know, when you, when you stimulate immune function, you're burning calories, right? Right. So you really don't want to stimulate immune function unnecessarily you know was needed for sure but just to give a product you know to um to get to a product immune, yeah yeah not necessary a, yeah a regular state maybe maybe that's not best and sometimes you know we just measure in inflammation you know or we you know you could you could feed an animal anything and cause inflammation it, was that a good thing you know mm, are you right are you promoting right you know, the right immune response in that, that case. So, so I guess, um, I, I think we have to be kind of careful, you know, when we look at those, those types of things and, you know, there's other strategies too, that I guess could fit like, uh, you know, gut acidifiers and that kind of thing, trying to acidify the crop and the gut. Um, you know, um, uh, there's some others, I'm, I'm blanking out on bacteriocins, bacteriophages, but yeah, but you know, the phages are a little, Tricky, right? Yeah. Can't be given easily. Nothing is like, there's no, I feel like there's no like, oh yes, this one product is like the best. And then it works across the board. Like mm -hmm. I feel like it may, what may work in one complex and one person's operation will not work in another person's operation. Um, they're very, uh, you know, sort of almost, you know, strain a bird, you know, you see just a lot of differences. So 
Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's no silver bullet. You know, these are things to to help, um, you know, with production practices. And, and usually, you know, this, this is anecdotal, but the, the farms are the worst. Um, uh, well, I'm trying to think nice way, but the ones that are, they're poorly managed. Usually oh, they have yeah, alternatives cool. work better at, I, right. I found. Whereas the ones that you drive up and there's a, a flagpole and a flower bed and, you know, yard decorations, a lot of times you don't see a difference. No. <laughs> True. Very true. The, the house environment plays a big role. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, it's miserable down here in Texas. I'm sure the birds are. Oh, you guys are having crazy heat right now. I can't even imagine. It's, you know, the, the, the summers are tough in Texas, but the uh, the other two months of the year are pretty nice. So. <laughs> true, true. So in, in terms of, um, you know, you kind of mentioned some of this in terms of like acidifiers. Um, I know some of your work in the past has been done in terms of like pre-harvest food safety. So in terms of like these, you know, our, our microbes of concern, salmonella and campylobacter, you know, when we head to processing, um, it, any of your work done in that in terms of, yes, these interventions actually do things because, you know, there's a, a lot of talk in terms of, you know, FSIS standards reducing, you know, things being labeled in products, um, you know, the term adulterant is, is, is being discussed and thrown out by FSIS. So as an industry, you know, we're, we're constantly bringing down and, and getting down to a certain level. So they're always looking for extra, you know, any additional tools. So in terms of from a, in, in, from a pre-harvest standpoint, you know, what, what are some key, key sort of control points that you see working in the industry? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, good biosecurity. And of course that starts with the primary breeder, as we've mentioned before, they, they really um, do a good job of keeping, you know, these pathogens out to, uh, to begin with. But, you know, when you get to the integrator, you know, we should, you know, depending on, on how much these, these guys and gals are, you know, scrambling to put out fires every day. Right. So where, where do you, where do you put your resources, your effort into, but, you know, the feedstuffs that come in, they could be contaminated, you know, insect control, rodent control, you know, um, you know, tire washes, all those things are important. But, you know, I think the the public doesn't always realize that these these pathogens like the, the foodborne salmonellas and campylobacters, they're they're almost I hate to say commensal organisms, oh, but that is an appropriate that is a very appropriate term. They are definitely commensals. Yeah, I mean they don't they don't really bother the bird and Not one um, bit. and um, you know it's there it's in the environment and to to control something like that's really difficult. And then you know they're in these transport coops, which can be difficult to clean. Um, and then they go to the processing plant where the same equipment, you know, same bird is contaminates one piece of equipment and, and the next and so on and so forth. And I think the hardest things, the feather follicles, when you remove those, those feathers, um, you're also probably rubbing in bacteria into those follicles, which if you're using a plant intervention, it's probably kind of tough Not getting to, inside of those to, to get into that protected area. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think vaccinations probably, 
you know, the best intervention um, that we have for, for salmonella. Um, but, you know, it, it needs improvement as well. Um, of course, um, vaccinating the hens and, and trying to improve maternal immunity. You know, Novo vaccination is a, a big boon um, as well at the hatchery. So um, Yeah, we haven't figured out how to give salmonella that way yet. No, nope. no. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't figured that one out. No, no, no. I'm sure we'll figure it out soon. Hopefully but, we'll uh, get there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, maternal antibodies would probably be useful for the chick until their immune system is able to to boot up, so to speak. And you know, we forget these broilers are just um, you know babies. You know, they don't they they don't hit puberty. 18 and 20 weeks of age and everything's super immature and we expect it to to get moving really quickly and nope, yep, it's not so it's go. not made that way nope no it's kind of hard for a vaccine to work in that short amount of time when they're going to, to market in four to nine weeks of age so so um so it's a it's a real challenge and and i don't fault anyone and i think uh I think the consumer can realize, should realize we can reduce the risk, and everybody's working really hard to to do that. But I don't think you'll ever get down to to zero. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, we're, we're we're dealing with a, you know, like you said, it, it's in the chicken, and it's not doing anything to the chicken or the turkey. There are turkeys in there, duck, it like really any poultry, game birds too. But you know we we have a lot of interventions that we do we're not we're not just as you said we're not just trying to use plant chemistries like most companies are doing a lot of things um and and i think we have you know the industry's done a, a great job reducing it to the points that we have and the consumer has to start you know we we really there are so many people still i cross paths with that have no clue how farming works either row crops or poultry or bee, like they have no clue how agriculture contributes to their lives. And, you know, they have no clue about how to handle their food safely. Like there is zero education on that for most people, or, you know, they watch a video off of social media and, you know, just follow whatever. And so I think that, you know, if we, if we want to get strides in terms of reducing human illness, we have to start educating people a lot more. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's that, you know, like probably our generation, there was home ec in school all the time. And there was a person right. that taught you how to cook or, you know, how to do things safely. Like if we drop, I, I have a feeling like we've dropped some of that. And I know, you know, ag education is not the case in most, especially like urban um, environments. There's, there's not, you know, there's just not a background on that. So, yeah. I think I think the industry's taking a lot of steps, and now we gotta we gotta figure out the other piece because it's 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 two parts to it. Well, I think everyone has this Norman uh, Rockwell, you know, ideal of what agriculture should be like, and I, I don't think they understand that we'd probably starve if we went back to Absolutely. that way. Farming is probably when eighty percent of the population farmed too, you know, and and, and I don't think they would want to do they that. They don't want to do too. that. It's hard work. And they don't realize the two percent that puts food on their table, the the level of work that they do. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it's amazing how uh, I went to see some family in Florida that I hadn't seen in a number of years, and uh, it, it was so good to catch up. But 
they, they basically just asked me chicken questions for two days. <laughs> Do they have backyard chickens or because no, no, no. This, they're just you know, brown, brown eggs or white That's eggs? Funny. Or That's organic so or conventional and oh, pasture or not. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it is. People ask you ask you the crazy questions. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so in terms of like, you know, the avian immune system and, and in terms of that kind of that, you know, immature chick in the U S we, we put them out on built up litter, you know, good. There's probably some good there. There's probably some bad there. Um, you know, we expose them to a lot of, you know, viruses that are left in the house, but there's potentially beneficial bacteria there. We know what the kind of coxie reaction is. So in terms of that, you know, immune system and, and trying to strengthen that. Any of your past research or current research, um, you know, products that help. Probiotics given in the hatchery, are those great? Probiotics given in ovo, you know, what what can we do? Because I I do think that, you know, NAE is here to stay. The reduction of antibiotics is just going to either stay at its current level or even continue. Um, so, what can we do to improve, you know, I feel like early is where we can, can make some impact. So any of your past work in terms of, you know, sort of modulating the immune response there? Yeah. Um, well, you know, you're absolutely right. We're taking, you know, day of hatch chicks and put them on. Uh, a really of place. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they have a, you know, immature immune system that's, that's not fully functional. At this point, you know, if it wasn't for maternal antibodies, they would oh, probably be. They wouldn't a, make a, it very long. <laughs> there would be a lot more trouble. Um, you know, I think um, I think the biggest bang for your buck is probably you know good husbandry and management. You know, ahead of time, you know, um, you know, litter pasteurization. You know, windrowing your litters um, is good. And, and you know, it's funny. You know, there's new house versus old house syndrome. Oh right? yes. So, you can actually be too clean. Too clean. Yeah. yeah. I dealt with a pullet flock just the other week. I definite new house syndrome. Like, oh, they, it was bad. Yeah. So, so, so I don't know. Um, you know, cleaning your water lines, you know, making sure you have good water, that the animals aren't stressed. I think, I think that's probably the, the biggest bang for your buck because the animal is, is healthy and, and and feels good they're going to eat and drink and and gain weight and the immune system's not going to be depressed you know um you know when an animal starts to go in the survival mode a lot of things like immune function kind of um go, go out the window i guess they're kind of they sacrifice that just to just for maintenance yeah so so i think i think just um you know husbandry management probably going to be the biggest bang for your buck including biosecurity but yeah, I think a lot of these products work, but again, you're not going to see the difference that you're going to see if you were to give an antibiotic or maybe in a vaccine if you had the the time. You know, I think they're they're pretty mild, and and you know these are mostly feed additives or waterline additives. They're not um, FDA approved drugs, and the companies have to be very careful about making such claims of course of you know course, so yeah. so so i think these are more modifiers you know i think they can kind of maybe stimulate immunity a little bit such as the beta glucans and the you know the feed um or maybe you could try to you know reduce the ph in the crop mm -hmm. um but the problem with that is the hindgut kind of um 
neutralizes any acid pretty quickly, you know, so we don't really see that carried over to the hind gut where the, the salmonella and the campylobacter likes to reside. So, um, you know, probox definitely having a good, uh, you know, microflora is going to keep that bird healthy and, and hopefully competitive exclude some of the, the bad ones. But, you know, when do you give them? Do you give right. them continuously? Do you give it intermediately? Some people suggest Question. you just give it a, a feed changes. Yeah. Um, you know, if you gave an animal antibiotics, maybe afterwards, yeah, right. probox would be a great time to, to give that, you know, um, or if maybe there's some kind of flushing or something along those lines, maybe that would be a way to kind of restore things back to, to baseline. Um, you know, some of these plant extracts, they do cause inflammation in the gut and, you know, um, inflammation in the absence of disease is a bad thing, right. but if there was a, um, a disease issue, maybe that kind of, um, kind of helps things along a little bit. It's kind of, um, and I think that's the thing that's so hard about these alternatives is to actually measure the differences is, is, um, difficult and maybe the disease passes through and now you're chasing the next fire and, and, you know, field trials are, um, are so tough to do because so many variables there's just too many variables when you get out to a whole broiler house yeah, yeah and, and you know my rbl2 facilities yeah everything's perfect but everything's perfect so it's not right. real world not either real. right so yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no happy medium of you know like a larger pen trial you know yeah there's not a there's not a great way and i and i, I do think like what you're like it may be that like you're saying, it, it helps recruit inflammatory cells. But it, if you're not fighting something, then that recruitment is actually drawing, you know, calories and nutrition that you want put into muscle, not in toward an inflammatory reaction. So, you know, I, I think that there may be time points, like you're saying, feed changes, or if you do have a coxy challenge, like if some of those products impact you know, coxie replication or something like that, that then is taking away feed conversion. Then if you use those products, you know, you might get a point or two back. So I think it, it is like very, they're, they're very small, you know, impacts, but we don't want the negatives. We don't want the bad right. <laughs> well, there's also, you know, the points of nutrition too. You know, we forget about um, how important nutrition is for the immune response. You know, I know, you know, vitamin D is an important one. The arginine, those types of things, as they make these different, you know, proteins. Oh, and, and especially yeah. when the industry is like it is right now, when everybody's losing money, they're going to cut costs wherever they can, and nutrition's going. You know. Yeah, well, that's a, a tough thing. You know, you bring up a good point. You know, least cost feed formulation. Um, you know, in theory, it should be great, but what other? weird things are you doing to the go of that bird if you're changing that feed stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, there's some other things, you know, there ain't not nutritional factors like flax. Absolutely. You know, yeah, you know, um, we did a study looking at, a, you know, a company had some problems with their air quality and what it was, the, the linotene in the flaxseed was, uh, was affecting protein metabolism as an uh, antagonist to B6. So, um, so yeah, we had a neat little undergrad research project and, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of pieced it together. So, so, um, but yeah, there are a lot of a nutrition, nutritional factors in the dots, which, 
I'm, I'm probably not very... Um, and so the flaxseed was added as an omega source mm-hmm. for the eggs. Yeah. yeah, it was a designer egg, if you will, high omega-3s. And, you know, these expensive eggs, they were cracking open and the, the yolk would just deflate. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Never, yeah, definite impact on egg quality. Don't oh, yeah, yeah. No matter the, uh, you know, extra nutrition. Excellent. It's time for our famous three. The Poultry Podcast Show is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like Natural Biologics is looking deeper to find the natural solutions to your poultry health challenges. Fibro Animal Health Corporation. Healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start. Eastman works with you to accelerate your nutritional program innovation. Start your journey with us at Eastman.com. At JBI, we apply biosecurity innovation and expertise to keep your operation safe. JBI helps poultry producers fight against harmful pathogens with the foaming power of D7 disinfectant. JBI prevents costly outbreaks and assures eco-friendly biosecurity on-farm and in transport. Safe and effective against AI, E. coli, salmonella, cocci, dermatitis, and other illness-causing pathogens, D7 is non-toxic, providing a safer environment for you and your employees. Low corrosive to equipment and breaks down biofilms. Learn more at jbidistributors.com. Your partner in improving animal performance, Berg and Schmidt. They believe the following additives are necessary in the poultry dietary. Functional lipids for an efficient dietary energy management. Phospholipids for emulsification, achieving a better nutrient intake. MCTs to provide energy and modulate the microflora within the intestines and enzymes for elevated use of fibrous materials and byproducts. Um, well, in terms of, you know, I think we, we've covered some great uh, topics. Um, maybe we'll kind of do a little wrap up. Um, in terms of like, you know, maybe advice to people who might be interested in, um, you know, getting into extension. We have a lot of probably students that listen into the podcast. Um, what, what advice do you give, um, students interested in poultry science? Okay. Well, um, you know, as far as the extension service is concerned, um, you know, I think it's helpful to, um, to enjoy people, enjoy those relationships. It's a lot of talking. Yeah, yeah, a lot of of windshield time. But, um, but, you know, um, I I think humility is important. I don't think you should go up and just tell people how smart you are. (laughs) I think it's important. Excellent point. Yeah, yeah, we have two ears and one mouth. So, so um, I listen quite a bit and take a lot of notes and Every time I go out in the field, I learn something from our industry stakeholders. I mean, they're the ones that are doing it for a living. I just kind of dabble in it, right? So, um, so, so I think perspective is important, and and you know, I think you need to embrace the land grant mission and believe in that. I mean, it was a really amazing thing that our forefathers, you know, did for this country, and um, I think if you if you live that, I think you'll be very very successful with extension. Um, as far as why to go to poultry science, well, well, why not? I mean, (laughs) 
I mean, there, there are right. a lot of jobs. Our kids get four to five different job offers. Um, you know, the pay is really good. Um, yeah, I understand some of our kids are starting out at 60, 65. Yeah, I've, I've heard 70 for poultry science grads coming out. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I think I was, I think when I worked for Tyson's, I think I was making 25, yeah, right. 26. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to age ourselves more. Yeah, these kids don't realize how great their salaries are. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um and, you know, I think um, another advantage about the poultry industry is that, and, and the and academia is as well as it's a um, it's a pretty small group of people. I mean, even though it's such a large industry. It seems like industry, it's a large industry, but like you start talking to somebody. Oh, I know so and so. And you. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's very small and very connected. Yeah, you're only one or two people removed from knowing just about everyone, I think. So I think I think that's what makes it fun. It's kind of a almost a family kind of it atmosphere is. to me. It um, is very much. Yeah, and and you know I don't mind working hard, but I um you know if I'm at work most of my life, um, most of my waking hours, I want to enjoy what I do, and I want to enjoy the people that I work with, and and I'll say the poultry industry is uh, has been a really good group of people. Um, um, they're going to get up early and they're going to work a lot of long hours and difficult circumstances, but they, they all have a good sense of humor and, and, um, and are fun to work with. And, and that makes it enjoyable. I think you have to have a good sense of humor to, uh, to work in agriculture. So True. True. <laughs> so you never know what the next day is going to bring. That's exactly right. That so. is true. <laughs> well, I, I think I think that's a good note to end on on our our, our poultry industry family. Um, I, I think that um, you know once you establish a career, I think it, you learn that very quickly that a lot of people are are interconnected and the and the network is very small. So. Um, well, Morgan, I appreciate you taking the time um, to sit down and chat with us today and um, enjoy the rest of your week. Yes, ma'am. You too. Thank you for the opportunity and I enjoyed visiting with you.